Father, we just want to thank you. This morning, once again, we've come into your presence. Lord, yes, Lord, we need a fresh deposit of your mercy, Lord, because we live on your mercy, O oh Lord. That is the currency of heaven, your grace and your mercy. For you said, come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in time of need. Your word says that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And this morning, even as we delve into your word, speak to our hearts. Father, reveal your heart to us this morning. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Anoint us to understand. Anoint us not to ask for acts. Anoint us that we will ask for your ways. Grant us grace to that and we pray. And anoint us afresh this morning. We seek your face this morning. We seek you, O Lord. Lead us, O Lord, Father, in the way of everlasting life. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Titles to this teaching as uh, David and Goliath. David and Goliath. David and Goliath, uh, you know, we heard it since childhood. When we were a child, we spoke like a child, we had behaved like a child, and we sang like a child. What is the song that we sang when we were... Guma Guma Ke Mara. Thank you, Peter. The, in, the Nigerian among us knows the Indian song. Guma Guma Ke Mara. David ne Goliath ko dofan se mara. Okay, so today we will not <laughs> uh, look at it at a Sunday school way. So we, will, we are in an adult class, so hopefully, <laughs> because there are a lot of adults who still need Guma Guma Ke Mara, no? So this morning we will look at David and Goliath, all because we have been looking at the theme of Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And why did this particular uh, thing that I, I was zeroed in on? Uh, this, see, oh, you should, one of the things that you need to be really, really sensitive to, it's a, one of the, one of the disciplines or rather one of the, uh, uh, what do you call habits that I have is, I've been inculcating over a period of time is to read through the Bible in a year, okay? And, uh, and what happens is that when you read through the Bible, it's a good thing. Okay, first thing you'll be washed. Okay, you'll be cleansed by the washing of water by the word, and there'll be certain things that God will just speak to your spirit. You know, very faintly. You should be able to listen to the voice of God, and and, and He will say, He will. Uh, I was I was reading through, of course, uh, First Samuel, Second Samuel, and uh, He will uh, say, you know what? This is a very familiar passage, but wait, hang in there and just delve upon it for a while, and uh, you will unearth some. Gold. <laughs> you see, this is very important for us to understand. So don't, don't neglect this, these habits. So it's a good habit for, as a believer, to read through the Bible. If not in an year, at least have cycles. Okay, periodic cycles for, for, for the, the sun, I mean, the earth goes around the sun in 365 days. You can go around the Bible in 400 days. Not, not a problem. Okay. But at least have a cycle of reading. It's a good, good habit to inculcate. So though, though we war according to the flesh, we do not, sorry, walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We've been looking at the battle for the mind. And one of the things that you also need to do is, we have this law of first mention, right? Um, look at the first battles in the Bible. Uh, and you will, they're very instructive, very, very instructive. And if you know the very first battle in the Bible, you know it, right? Everybody knows Abraham and Lot, the, the story of Abraham and Lot. Just let's, let's visit it for a while, just to draw a few lessons. Genesis chapter 14, Then one who had escaped came and told Abraham the Hebrew, <clears throat> the Hebrew who, uh, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, 
the brother uh, the brother of Aner and they were allies with Abraham and when Abraham heard his brother was taken captive he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan okay now this is so instructive um, that uh, Abraham was a man of war and it says that he came he was returning after the slaughter of uh, the kings of the five kings 318 trained soldiers okay who are born so the description of the first warriors is given under the leadership of Abraham, born in Abraham's household, they were trained, they were equipped, and they were men. Okay, so I, we looked at it in one of the, if I'm right, fasting and prayers, uh, as to what that means. So, so, so many instruct, instructions over there. And then Genesis chapter 14 will say, he divided his forces against them by night, and his, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So, he brought back all the goods, etc. And you, you know that the story uh, when Abraham is returning, uh, uh, Bera, the sin, king of Sodom, um, is wanting to meet him. But the problem here is this: what is the problem? Abraham is in the promised land, and where is Lot, the righteous man? Is in, is in uh, Sodom. We all know about the iniquity of Sodom. Remember the iniquity of Sodom in Ezekiel chapter sixteen. Okay. Pride, fullness of bread, etc. Hmm? In verse 49, etc. Right? And uh, fullness of bread, this, this abundance of idleness. The problem is not the iniquity of Sodom. The problem is what is the teaching of Sodom? <laughs> that is the problem. Okay? There's a teaching of Sodom. Okay? That is the danger. And the danger is we have to identify the teaching which causes the iniquity of Sodom. The rebellion. Because see, see, what is iniquity? Iniquity is just not sin. It is an idea which empowers the sin. Okay. And unless and until you tackle that idea, you will never overcome the sin. We know this. Uh, we heard this old message, you know, sin, iniquity and translation. One of the most foundation teachings of, uh, which came from this pulpit. So, we need to tackle that. So there's a teaching of Sodom. And what is the teaching of Sodom? We know this. In Jeremiah chapter 23, this is what it says. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied, prophesied in Baal and caused my people Israel to err. Okay, and then verse 14 is really, really a sad part. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem an horrible thing. They commit adultery and they walk in lies. And then, look at this. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none that return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof like Gomorrah. So you see that? What is empowering uh, this iniquity of Sodom is a teaching of Sodom. Okay. That is the reason why we have to replace the ideas with another idea. Okay. So what, what, and the problem is that uh, people also don't like it. We'll come to that. Now Isaiah chapter 30 will it's very instructive again. That Isaiah chapter 30 verse 9 onwards. That this is a ch- uh, rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. Don't, don't prophesy to us, right, to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. 
<coughs> so that's a dangerous part. Prophesy to us deceits. They're directly coming and telling the pastor, please pastor, don't teach us all this tough stuff and uh, separation and uh, fighting with sin, fighting with powers of darkness, fasting, prayer. Please don't teach us. Prophesy to us smooth things. We'll come to, uh, we'll come, we'll come to that. What is the, what, what are those smooth things? We'll, we'll specifically see that, okay? Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Don't talk about separation. Don't talk about, don't, don't talk about, uh, you see, give us principles as to how to succeed. You see, these are dangerous ideas. Okay, So we need to really be careful as to what we allow into our minds, what kind of teaching we allow into our minds. And that is the reason why 2 Corinthians chapter 10 will say, we do, though we walk according to the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And what we should, what we should demolish, we should demolish strongholds. Right? <coughs> Right? We have to pull down strongholds. And what is one of the strongholds? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 12. Look at what it says. The, the wicked desire the stronghold of evildoers. Okay? But the root of the righteous endures. So we need to demolish strongholds. And how do we do that? And we go to, through teaching. And what is our teaching? Is something which we want to look at specifically from the story of David and Goliath. <clears throat> now, by the way, when we read through the Bible, we know Jesus, right? In John's Gospel, chapter 5, he says, you read the scriptures because in the scriptures you think that you have what life? Eternal life. And what do the scriptures talk about? Me. Okay. And then in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, he talks from Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets, and he describes that all scriptures is talking about whom? The person of Jesus. Okay. So in the, in the, in the Bible, if you read through the Bible, you will see the gospel embedded in every page. Almost. I mean, it's, it's, you have to read the Old Testament in the light of the gospel. Okay. So let us be like David. No, no, no. It's not, uh, let us be like David. Who is that David? And what does, who does David represent? And what did he do for us? And what, what is the instruction there? How can we be like David? No, that is a question that we need to tackle most of the time. <clears throat> In the light of the gospel. So let us read First Samuel chapter 17, a few verses, and then uh, we'll just go through the chapter, a few verses, line by line, and then we will draw some lessons. First Samuel chapter 17, <clears throat> verse 1 onwards. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukho, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sukho and Azekah in Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. <clears throat> Goes on to say, and a champion <clears throat> went out from the camp of the Philistines. Who's he? A champion. You know what the word for champion means? <clears throat> a middleman, a mediator. And what is the champion asking for? Another champion. So, who's the champion representing? He's representing the powers of darkness. We'll look at that. His name is what? Goliath. You know what the word Goliath means? Splendor. Okay, he's dressed in splendor. Okay. Hmm. From Gath. You know what Gath talks about. Gath talks about the giants. If you remember uh, the book of Joshua, right? In chapter 11. Okay. Whose height was six cubits and a half and a span. Okay. He had a bronze helmet 
on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail have you ever read this description of the of the armor of uh, this guy what is he what is he having he is having a bronze bronze helmet and he is armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5000 shekels of bronze the description of 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 his armor is given what is this coat of mail no let us look at the translation to understand what this coat of mail means uh, again he had a bronze helmet on his head he wore a scale armor scale armor you want to understand what the scale armor actually talks about who is this fellow what is he who is he represent, representing ezekiel chapter 29 in the 10th year in the 10th month in the 12th month of the 12th day of the month the word of the lord came unto me saying son of man set thy face against pharaoh king of egypt and prophesy against him and against all egypt okay and if you look at uh, ezekiel you will see he talks about the king and he also talks about the power that empowers the king you know remember uh, in ezekiel chapter 28 he talks about uh, tyre king of tyre and the power behind the king of tyre and then look at what it says in verse 20 uh, chapter 29 verse 3 onwards speak and say thus says the lord god behold i am against the pharaoh king of egypt the the great dragon that lieth in the midst of his rivers who hath said my river is my own and i have made it for myself but i will put hooks in thy jaws and i will cause the fish of thy rivers to stick to thy what scales and who does <laughs> who does who does goliath represent he represents the powers of darkness the the wisdom of this world the wisdom of the serpent the intimidation of the serpent the deception of the serpent and you know there are several ways given to uh, to the serpent he's called the dragon what does the dragon do he intimidates he's called the serpent of old what does the serpent do he crawls and deceives right and he's called the the devil what does diabolos mean the slanderer okay diabolos is a slanderer he's a gossiper so he's a slanderer so this great dragon is so this this goliath is description of the very powers of darkness and therefore if uh, goliath is a description of the powers of darkness who's who's david description of a type of Jesus himself right so we need to look at scripture from that light okay let's move on it says he had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5000 shekels of silver and he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him this is the several verses in the bible have been given to describe satan so this is to intimidate to threaten to show off okay then what happens the response and then he stood and cried out to the armies of israel and said to them look at his words why have you come out to line up for battle am i not a philistine and you oh servants of saul he doesn't say servants of yahweh now i know who you are actually you're not servants of uh, israel uh, sorry uh, god of yahweh you are servants of saul you asked for him right yeah. no think about it no <laughs> this guy is absolutely tall and strong who is the equivalent in israel Saul, head and shoulders above the rest, and what is he doing? You know what he's doing. The problem is this: he says, "I am a Philistine, and you are what servants of Saul." Let me tell you something very, very important truth for all of us to understand. In the demonic realm, 
the demons or the powers of darkness know whose servants you are. Either you are servants of Saul or servants of Yahweh. Okay, let me give an example. Mark chapter 1. Then he went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as a scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out. What did he cry out? Saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. So the Philistine knows. <laughs> Am I not a Philistine? And you are what? Servants of Saul. And they will act, actually act like as servants of Saul and not servants of Yahweh. We'll see what that means also. Acts chapter 16. We know this also very well. And it came to pass as, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met with us, who which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And she the same followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, not servants of Saul, which show us the way of salvation. <laughs> and this she did many days, but Paul being grieved, turned aside to the spirit, commanded in the name of Jesus to come out of her and he came out of her the same time. Who came out? He came out of her. Interesting. Acts chapter 19, we know this verse very well, right? And certain of the vagabond Jews, vagabond means uh, people who are wanderers, yeah. Exorcists took up took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven, seven sons of Sceva. And verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. Paul I know, but who are you? So, what is he saying? What is Goliath saying? Am I not a Philistine? And you are servants of Saul. In the demonic realm, nothing is uh, hidden. We know he, The devil knows exactly whose servants we are. Either servants of Saul, which is essentially talking about the flesh, or servants of Yahweh. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't want to get into deliverance ministry, you know. <laughs> because I, I remember one man of God, he said, one of the reasons why I don't like deliverance ministry is because maybe they'll reveal something about me. <laughs> All right. It's dangerous. I'm talking about authentic deliverance ministry. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them and prevailed against them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. See, So he, he says, am I not a Philistine? And you are what? Serpents of Saul. Makes that statement. So the question is, whose servants are we? Okay. Servants of Saul means servants of the flesh. But how do we get delivered from the from being the servants of Saul and becoming servants of flesh? Oh, sorry, servants of uh, God. Romans chapter 6. What do we need? We need teaching, right? Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from where? From the heart. So you know what what uh, what uh, Goliath is saying. You are servants of Saul. In other words, I know exactly what is a spirit which is inspiring you. Who's Saul representing? A person who's under the spirit of. How do you know that? Look at this verse. You do not. And what does Samuel say? One Samuel chapter fifteen. Yes. And so Samuel said to the Lord. 
Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed the better than the fat of rams for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. In other words, he's saying, you're servants of Saul and I exactly know what spirit is inspiring you. Actually, you and I are friends. What is inspiring me is inspiring you too. I am under Satan, you are also under Satan. I am under the spirit of witchcraft, you are also under the spirit of witchcraft. We are brothers, brothers. You know, that's a, that is the reason why we have to be very careful. I know exactly the spirit which is inspiring you. Are you under the obedience of the word of God? Or are, are you under the uh, influence of witchcraft. What is that? Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. You know, Derek Prince made a powerful statement. One of the most fired up statements of Derek Prince is, the religion of the fallen man is witchcraft. Witchcraft is the religion of the fallen man. What is this? Rebellion. For rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity as idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord also has rejected. In other words, you know, the Philistine is saying, I know whose servants you are. You are a servant who has been rejected by God. Your God's rejects. Remember? Um, which one? Yes. Yes. Peter, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, dove scoop <laughs> sold for a, <laughs> the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit has rejected and you are buying it. Your God's reject, you are being inspired by a person who has been rejected by God. In other words, you do not have the touch of God over your life and I recognize it very clearly. No? You have to just pause for a minute and ask, us, ask ourselves this question. What is the spirit which is inspiring me? Is it submission? Or rebellion? Is it obedience or unbelief? Is it works? Right? We do a lot of works. Or obedience? Or faith which leads to works? You have rejected what the, are we the people who have rejected the word of the Lord? You know, let me tell you something. This is so important for us as a church also. No? Uh, if you have heard yesterday's message, uh, on we have the, every Tuesday we have a message which is being played. You know, so many of the things that Pastor was talking about, he has already taught us. Again, he keeps repeating so many things. Right? Remember? I mean, it happens all the time. So many things are repeated. You know, a lot of people, you know what they say, I've heard this already. So they just take things very casually. The listening of the word of God and the speaking of the word of God is a is a is a is a, is a, a unified exercise. Preaching of the word and the listening of the word. Okay, everybody participates. It is not like one person is a spectator and is wanting to listen. He's participating. He's agreeing. He's debating. In his own mind, at least. A debate is going on. He is, because so many things that we would have learned, you would have forgotten so easily and some, suddenly something comes come to light. And why? So the entire process of teaching or preaching of the word of God is a unified exercise. It's just not, I am preaching and you are just listening. It's a participation that everybody, you know, takes part in. Okay. So, what, what, so for example, when the preacher is preaching, what are we saying? You see, you are either I'm either backing you up by agreeing with you, 
You understand? I'm either backing you up by agreeing with you or I'm just not agreeing, agreeing with you. So it's the, the, the whole exercise of the of the listening of the word of God is a, that is the reason why it says how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. What does it mean? You're agreeing. Okay, if it is in, in, in accordance with the word of God, yeah, I agree with it. Exactly what you say, I agree. Okay. Otherwise, we just take it casually and we don't participate. Okay. Now, one of the grading in, in many colleges, one of the parameters for grading is what we call as class participation. You know that? No? Remember class participation? Some student, some professors give 15% of their grade for class participation. Or 20%, depending upon the course that they're teaching. 20% for class participation. <laughs> in other words, it, and for, for, for us, in the, in, the, in the preaching of the word of God, 100% class participation. See, we reject the word of God in different ways. Yeah. I, I, let me tell you, I mean, I'm just giving you my example because this is what I practice. I hear the word so many times, I just, just go again. You know why? They, because two things are happening. I'm backing up the person who's preaching and I'm also learning at the same time. Very, 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 very important truths that we need to always take to heart. Because many people are casual. Oh, we heard it already. And they become outliers. Lose electrons. And after that, they're just kicked out of the orbit. It's not good. No? These, are, these are attitudes which we need to inculcate and practice. So you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you from being. So, so, so Goliath is saying, I know exactly who's inspiring you. I know what spirit is inspiring you. It is the spirit of witchcraft or the spirit of Christ. And what is the problem? The problem is this. Let us look at uh, so servants of Saul, right? Look at what the servants of Saul's attitude is. No, First Samuel chapter 16. Okay, verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit from the Lord, what, did, what happened to him? Troubled him. From where? Not from the devil. From the Lord. Okay, now. Look at the, <laughs> the, the testimony of Saul's servants. And Saul's servants said to him, surely, surely a distressing spirit from the Lord is troubling you. So what should you do? Hey, Saul, maybe you should just go and repent. Maybe you should uh, ask God to go, go, go back to Samuel and ask Samuel, Samuel, what did I do wrong? How can I get things right? No, but what he says, let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from the Lord is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand and thou shall be, you know what we call this teaching? Therapeutic teaching. Therapy. Soothing. Therapy teaching. You know, there's, there's a new teaching in the, in, the, in, in the West. It's called moralistic therapeutic deism. So what do the what do the pulpits preach you? They'll preach you some morals, and they will tell you, you know, fundamentally you're all good people. But what does the Bible say? A man is birthed in sin and shaped in iniquity. They will not say that. Fundamentally, you're all good people. God wants you to have the best life now. 
Oh, you are going through so much of trouble. Let us soothe you. Let us give you therapy. But they will never tell you as to why you are going through trouble. They will try to soothe you. They will give you therapy. That is the reason why in many, many places it is worship which is exalted, not the word. You know that? Why? Because worship is therapy. They will say, you know what? When the worship was happening, I was feeling the goosebumps. I was feeling so close to God. But you are living in rebellion. You are living in sin. You are living in fornication. You are living in pornography. You have, you have been compromised in your life. And what is the worship doing you? It is giving you therapy and comforting you in your sin, but not confronting you in your sin. That is the problem. With the gospel, my dear brothers and sisters, this is true. So what do people want when they come to church? They want a pastor to give them nice therapy as to how good they are, how fantastic they are. They do not want the pastor to confront them. You know, I would, I would have loved to, I would have loved somebody who would have come, come and said, Saul, Saul, you, I think you should need to go, go back to Samuel. And you should have asked him, you know, Samuel, where did I go wrong? How do I, okay, I messed up, Samuel, I want to get back to God. I, I know that everybody is saying that the evil spirit from the Lord is tormenting me. What should I do, Samuel? Repent. The problem is, Saul is like that, and the servants are also like that. You know, there's a saying in Telugu, oh, actually in Sanskrit, Yadha Raja, Tadha Praja. So, you see, in other words, if I am a, if I'm a pastor, if I am not interested in God correcting me, and confronting me in my sin, and confronting me in my compromise, and showing me where I'm going wrong, what am I going to teach my congregation? I am also going to, I want soothing things from God. I will also soothe my congregation to help. Therapy. People want therapy, my dear brothers. They do not want confrontation messages. And what does Jonah do? What does Jonah do? Hmm. Jonah chapter 3. 40 days. In the first day, Jonah began to enter under the, enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh, what did they do first? They believed God. You know, the, in, in Telugu, in Telugu it says, They had faith in God. And what did that faith lead to? It says, they proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest and to the least. And what did the king do? Look at the next verse. The word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. You see, what is happening? The praja and the raja, everybody is repenting. And I know when, when revivals took place, you know what happens? The first person to come and fall flat on his face is the pastor. He comes and weeps before the, before the, he, he is humbling, he's not weeping before the congregation, he's humbling himself before the Lord. And what happens when that, when the fire of God touches the pastor, the entire congregation also change and start repenting. You see, we don't want people to soothe us. We want pastors who will come and say, you know what, Vijay, I love you. Okay. I would like, I mean, I would like Pastor James to tell me, Vijay, you, I love you, and these are the things that you're doing, and if you, this is what I believe that God has for you in your life, and if you, if you do not walk this, and you make this decision, this is where it's going to take you, but if you make corrective actions, this is what, what is going to happen to you, and I love you, and I want you to be like this, do it. Man, what is that? With the righteous? Strike me. But the problem is we don't want that. We want people to soothe us and say, hello. Like, like a dog, no? Buji papa. Ayo. This is what we want. We want therapy, my dear brothers. That is servants of Saul. 
And what does Saul want? He also wants therapy. He does not want deliverance. He wants therapy. So what happens when David comes and plays the harp? He feels good. When David departs, the Lord also departs with David. (laughs) The problem is that, you see, the Lord also departs because David brings his presence of the Lord. It's not David singing of the harp. It's the presence of the Lord and the anointing on David which is actually soothing you. So when David goes back, the Lord comes back. The, I mean, the, the evil spirit from the Lord comes back. You see, it's a dangerous thing. So that is the reason why Matthew chapter 12 will say, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation. Who's that generation? The generation of the Jews who had been given all the privileges. And condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now something greater than Jonah is here. Problem is you rejected. That's what I told you, no? I, one of my favorite verses actually. Psalm 141 will say, the righteous, let it let them strike me. That shall be. Why? Why is, it, why is it kindness? What does the kindness of God do? Well, it leads us to repentance. And when does repentance happen? When the righteous? It is not when the righteous <laughs> pamper me. What do you like? Pampering? Therapy. How many of you want to have therapy? Huh. I don't want therapy. Physiotherapy, psychotherapy. You know, in, when go, psycho, they keep on speaking and speaking and speaking. No, it's not like that. You're so good. You're so nice. I'm not saying that we should be hard and calm and, 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 uh, that, uh, and uh, yeah, tough. I'm, we, we need to be very careful when I'm, when I'm saying this. I'm saying that. Even Jesus, when he talked to the Samaritan woman, with kindness he said, you know what? Bring your husband. Bring your husband. You know the problem with you? The problem with you is that you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And she said, I don't have a husband. Yes, you're right. You had five husbands. You're living with the sixth fellow. And she's shocked. And she says, my God, you're a prophet. Absolutely. What does a prophet do? He confronts. You know what we, what is the verse in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20? We know this very well, right? What is, what does it say? Believe in the Lord and you will be what? Believe in the Lord and you will be what? Established. Okay. Believe in the prospects and his prophets and you will prosper. Believe in the prophets. We like believe in the Lord. We don't like the prophets, right? The prophets will come and say, like Ahab, no, he will not say anything which is bad against me. He only evil against me. I want therapy. I don't want therapy. Okay. Let him rebuke me. What will it be? It is excellent oil. In the in word in Telugu is very interesting. It will be like Taila Abhishekam. Taila Abhishekam. You know, Taila Abhishekam means it's like the anointing oil. Let my head not refuse this anointing. The problem is, the problem is, why? See, the, we know this, uh, the parable very well, right? Uh, in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the virgins. Some virgins had oil. The others virgins did not have extra oil. Why did they not have extra oil? Because they, were, they didn't like therapy. They, want, they didn't like, uh, uh, sorry, uh, confrontation. They wanted therapy. And they wanted people to come and say, what a fantastic virgin you are. That's all. You see, this anointing is not there. So every time we come to the message and we come to the study of the word of God, what is happening? How good and pleasant it is for 
brothers to dwell together in unity. What is happening? You are receiving anointing. And when people are rebuking you, you are receiving anointing. You don't realize that. And the anointing will set you free, my dear brothers. It is that which, that is the power which will give you the power to overcome sin. It is the power of God, the anointing of God which will lead you to all to it and set you free. And what are you refusing? You are refusing the anointing. And what will happen when the bridegroom comes? You will be left. And what will happen? You will go outside and buy anointing. Who is selling that anointing? I don't know. The church is gone. You see? I want Abhishekam. I want Abhishekam. How do you will get up? How will you get Abhishekam? It is by rebuking and the correction of the that you receive from elders, from the righteous people. Let not my head refuse it. See, if you refuse that, what will God do? He will refuse you. Because you rejected the word of God, what did God do? He rejected you. You lost the anointing, not because God is not willing to give you the anointing. God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit because he himself says, if you being evil will give, give, give uh, good gifts to your children, how much more your father in heaven will give the gift, gifts, the Holy Spirit, if you only ask? If you only ask. But how do we ask? We keep on asking. I'll tell you how we ask. We come to the to the preaching of the word of God. We listen to the anointing. Anoint, and not, I'm not talking about any random preacher on the internet. No. You should come and listen to the anointing of the shepherd under whom God has placed you. That is where the Lord pronounced a blessing. Not in the internet. I'm not saying we should, we should not listen to people in the internet. I listen to everybody. But what is a primary function? God has placed, placed us under a body and it is under that anointing we come and we come under that teaching. And what happens? God continues to fill us so that we will be like those virgins who have oil. Okay? Understand? Okay? For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. You see? Let the righteous strike me. Okay? We don't want therapy. Moralistic, therapeutic, deism. <laughs> In other words, they'll give you some morals, <laughs> they will show you some therapy, and they will talk a little about God. In the last. Hmm? No, 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 no. Let's move on. And what does it say? Choose a man for yourselves. And let him come down to fight me. Whenever I look at this, you know, what one song that comes to my mind is Mighty Fortress is our God. Thank God we should, you know, whenever we sing songs, we should sing the whole song. Especially Mighty Fortress. A lot of people say, well, let us sing the first, first stanza, second stanza, and the first stanza, last stanza, and finish. No, 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 the mighty fortress is a continuation. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never ceasing. Okay, shelter amidst the flood, and, and mortal else prevailing. Why? For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe, his craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal and full stop. Tata bye bye. We've closed the hymn book and say enough for the day. No. Did we in our own strength confide? For striving will be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Thus ask who that may be. Christ Jesus it is he. Lord Shabbat his name and age to age the same. And he must win the battle. You see Psalm 1 Samuel chapter 17. You'll see 1 Samuel chapter 17. The entire psalm is, I mean, the inspiration for the mighty fortress you will see in 1 Samuel chapter 17. That is the reason why David has the, uh, the audacity to say, the Lord is my strength, my fortress, my stronghold. Why? Because he is a symbol, he's a type of Christ. Look at what he says. Choose a man for yourself. In other words, choose a champion who will represent you, who will come 
with all the failings that you have and who will be able to t- empathize with your failings and who is able to defeat me. Can you find such a man? And Psalm 45 says, No. Proverbs 30 says, No. Let me show you Psalm 45. Huh? Let me read it for you. Yeah. One of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 45. Hmm? I didn't put it. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. Peter. Psalm 45. Mm-hmm. Oh, so 49, not 45, 49, sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> Truly no man can ransom. Verse 7. Truly, okay, actually verse 6 onwards. Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly, no man can ransom another. To give to God the price for his life. For the ransom of their life is costly. And can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. You see that? <laughs> see that? Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. Look at what he says. Choose a man for yourself. God chose a man. Who's that man? Not David. The son of David. David only won a physical battle. The son of David and all those who are in David. If the Lord is on our side, what does what does uh, mighty photo say? Though this world's with what devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God has willed His truths to triumph through us. The Prince of Darkness, grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure. For lo, His doom is sure. One, and that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. We're coming to that. Okay, the first uh, firearm in the Bible. Okay, which care? Okay. Choose for choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me if he is able to fight me. The problem is nobody in the flesh is able to. But in Christ, we are all able. That is the reason why he tells the young, young, young people, you know what he says to the young people? Young people are right to you because the word of God richly dwells in you and you have what? Overcome the wicked one. Look at what he says. I'll, I'll, I'll show you the words over here. If he's able to fight with me. You know what word for fight is? Lacham. In other words, if you are able to devour me. Can you devour Goliath? <laughs> is the question. <laughs> can you devour Goliath? Can, is, he, uh, is he nice and juicy? I told you, no? Look at what it says in Numbers chapter 14. Only rebel, not e against the Lord. Neither fear the people of the land. For they are what? Bread for us. The giants in the land are bread for us. But the problem is, many ch- most people in the church, they don't want this bread. They want what? Therapy. I told you, no? For a baby, even if you do not give her milk in the bottle, the nipple is enough. What is nipple? Therapy. I know Abigail, no? She used to put, you remove the bottle slowly and immediately two fingers go, what is that? Therapy. Two fingers. We had to really fight. We used to put, we had to put aloe vera, we had to put uh, tape, etc. to get rid of her. Lot of people in the church are, they need nipples. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3. No, don't run with that word, okay? Okay. All your imaginations are going here crazy. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. And what do babes need? Milk in the bottle. Even if it is there, there is no milk. That's it. With that nipple, they will slowly, nicely soothe themselves to sleep. What do you call it? I forget that name. Pacifier. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> they want people to pacify them. Pacify? Messages going on, messages going on. Lot of people in the church. Why do they sleep? It is not for you. It is not for you. Be pacified. Let the adults listen. Let the mature people listen. All of you fall asleep. What are you being? You are being pacified. You want what? Therapy and not meat. See? <laughs> you know, you, know, you need to take these things seriously, my dear brothers. And sisters. I mean, brothers, I use it in a general term. Okay, he's only speaking to the brothers all the time. No, no. Brethren, brethren. Okay. And I, brethren, could not speak to your spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food because even until now you're not able to bear it. Why? Because you need pacifiers. I need to get out of that. I'm t- I mean, I'll, I'll always keep telling myself, which I need to get out of pacifying. I should, I should be a man. When somebody comes and criticizes me, I should not call him an Islamophobe or Vijayphobe. Sorry. Vijayphobia. You know, we are all so scared of criticism. Somebody comes and criticizes us. We want to give him double criticism. Who are you? You look at your own life. Huh? Haan se aagya tu? Etc, etc, etc. You know, the Bible is one, one book in the entire world which stood the, the tide of criticism after criticism. We call it upper criticism, lower criticism. Every kind of criticism they subjected the Bible to and it came out on tops. Now suddenly they are applying all those principles to the Quran and they are finding it very holy. The standard narrative has <laughs> holes in it, my dear brothers. And what is happening now? In speaker's corner, they're going and stabbing people who are preaching the gospel. In UK, in UK, in speaker's corner, the bastion of free speech where you can come and do anything you you want. You can come and blaspheme the name of Jesus. Nobody will say anything. You come and criticize the Quran. You know what they're doing? They're stabbing them and the police do nothing. And that lady is fallen on the streets, bleeding all over, and she gets up and she she has the guts to say, you Muslims, God does not need me to preach the gospel, but God needs you to preach the gospel, your gospel. Come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. They can't stand criticism. Can you stand criticism? You see, when somebody comes and tells you this is the problem, (laughs) come on, be a man. Gird up the loins of your mind. Answer me like a man. Job says. Somebody challenges you. This is what you can be in Christ because he loves you, right? 
the Lord only chastens those, those whom he loves. And he says, I want you to be partakers of my holiness. Somebody comes and criticizes you. You say, thank you for the criticism. I'm going to work upon it because I know my destiny and I don't want this offense to take me away from the course that God has destined for me. Blessed is a man that will not be offended because of me. My dear brothers and sisters, solid food. Imgara? Poshtik ahar chahi apneko. Sampurna aharam. Perfect food. That's what Paul tells Timothy. He says, rebuke, exhort, encourage with all long suffering. Ultimately because you become what you eat. Right? Even if it is palak. Palak is chedu. Bitter. So what should you do? Eat it. Swallow it. No problem. Let it go into your system. It's good for you. Compulsory question. What is it? <laughs> palakura. <laughs> if you are not able to do eat palakura, put it in papu. It's more, more tasty. Okay? Palakura papu is very, very tasty. <laughs> You're all laughing because that is that is the only thing which I'll, I love papu with any, anything. Okay? You put palakura, biraka, everything I'll eat. Okay? I fed you with milk and not with solid food because you're still not able. Can you take criticism? Can you, you, do you have the gumption and the, and the boldness to go and ask, brother, what am I going through, pastor? Pastor, where am I going wrong? Tell me, tell me, pastor. I know this is my destiny, pastor. I know where I'm going. If, if I'm going wrong, if I'm going on the right track, wrong track, tell me, pastor. Show me. Show me. That is what, that's what, that's what Sam, uh, David tells in, uh, in Psalm 139. He says, Lord, show me, try me, see if there is any wicked way inside of me and lead me to the way of everlasting life. And you know what he says? Let not presumptuous sins, what? Have dominion over me. Let not have, let not presumptuous sins have dominion over me. So, we don't want therapy. We want meat. First Corinthians chapter 3. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, there is strife and divisions. Are you not carnal? And behaving like what? Mere men. That means you are absolutely of the flesh. You are Saul's. Still not Paul's. You know, it's very interesting in Acts chapter 13. You know, when, when, when does Saul become Paul? The, the, the Bible records. When Saul, I mean, when Paul who was called Saul having been filled with the boy, with the Holy Spirit. What a transition, man. What a transition. So therefore, do not be drunk with wine, but fill, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And where is Holy Spirit? In rebuke. <laughs> In correction. See that? That is the anointing. That is the anointing. And what happened to Saul? What happened to his sword? What, happens, what happened to his shield? No anointing. Lost it. Hebrews chapter 5. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to come teach you again the first principles. Now, let me tell you something. It is not that you should go to Bible college. We'll come to that later on. Okay. It is just that you should go and study the word. Simple. Read the word. Study. Make, give some specific time for it. Go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as many times as possible in your lifetime. I'm not saying that I'm not putting a law that you should go through it in a year. No. Pastor Eric, you know how many times he does it? In a year? Every six months once. He goes through the Bible twice in a year. You, you, you still, pastor, maza nahi aata, aata pastor, maza nahi aara hai. Kyunki, kam se kam do baar chahiye mujhe. 
See, young man should learn. Able to, he was leading a fantastic church. You see, this is important. So these are not random things. First principles of the oracles of God, you have need of what? Milk. And what is milk? Pacifier. You see, milk comes with a pacifier. You cannot feed just milk like that. No, glass bottle. How ridiculous it will be if all adults have been given feeding bottles. No? How ridiculous a church will look like. But it's exactly, exactly how it looks like in the spiritual realm in many places. They do not have the capacity. It's unfortunate they haven't read the gospel. They haven't even listened to the gospel in, in, in many of the teachings. They haven't even listened to the gospel. In many places in the church. Okay? So let's go back. First Samuel chapter 17, look at the response. Verse 10 onwards. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words, what should you do? When somebody is speaking all kinds of things, what should you do? Don't give. Bow to the enemy. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. That's exactly what happens to us, to a man who lost the touch of God in his life. What is he characterized with? The spirit of fear. The spirit of insecurity. The spirit of jealousy, because which comes because of insecurity. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind or self-control. Right? And what happens? You lost the touch of God. What happens? The spirit of fear comes. And with the spirit of fear, somebody who's more anointed, what happens? There's a spirit of fear and intimidation and a spirit of jealousy, the spirit of envy, the spirit of pride, everything, the spirit of anger. You know why? You're frustrated. But you know what God says? Just he, just the way he tells Cain, he tells everybody in every generation, if you do well, will you not be? accepted? I'm not a respecter of persons. This is what I wanted to, wanted you to be, Saul. I chose you and I would have established your kingdom. What? Mm-hmm. Let's move on. First Samuel chapter 17. Then as he talked, this is now David, okay? We, 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 are, we, are, we are not going to do all the intricacies of uh, the plot. We are just looking at some specific verses. Then as he talked with them, there was a, there was a, uh, there, the, there was the champion, the Philistine of God, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. You see, this is after 40 days. Nothing has happened. David heard. They also heard. And look at the response. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to, come up to defy Israel. Baba, what are you supposed to do? You fellows who are eating three, three, days, three times ration, military food every day. Morning, afternoon, evening. Morning, afternoon, evening. And your parents are thinking that you are fighting for Israel. And they are sending you some extra food also. You are eating that. Nicely, and you're describing the enemy. Oh. Three times food, nicely eating. Now extra food also has come. You will eat that also and describe the enemy. Mm-hmm. 
And then, and it shall be done, it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from the taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine who, that he should defy the armies of the now look at the words of the people. By the words you shall be justified and by your word you shall be condemned. For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And what happens to people who love therapy? This is what happens. Look at the words. Men of Israel, this man, David, who is this? Uncircumcised Philistine. Men of Israel, he has come to defy Israel. David, he is defying the armies of the... Look at the difference over there. That is men of Israel. What about David brothers? Why did you come here? And with whom have you left those? (laughs) These fellows. (laughs) Military people, no? Few sheep. I know your pride. I know the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. So what are these people? Men of Israel. Then look at, I'll show you another thing. Um, yeah. Look at their response, no? Uh, sorry, just a minute. What will happen to the man who kills him? Kills him? He will, the king will give him a daughter. Okay. He will give him great riches. And he will exempt his mouth, house from taxes. So if you subscribe to therapy teaching, what do you want? The American dream. What is this? Good job. Good wife. Okay. And no taxes. And that means minimum government influence. Free enterprise. Sounds very right wing, no? Great riches, good wife, and no taxes. All of them, only this. What is happening to the name of God? Who cares? We want our jobs. We want our, we want a good wife, no? That's exactly what we want, no? All the time. When we were in IIT, this is what we wanted. BBG. Not, not BBG, beautiful believer girl. This is what we want. And when we, whenever you go to church, you're going what for? For hunting, basically. Something else. Not God, somebody else. What do you want? We want a good job. We want a good wife. And we want exemption from taxes. That means the American dream. And what is happening to the name of God? Who cares? No, that's exactly what has happened. You know, one, one, one person, he says, the men in the church have been sissified. He uses his word. Has been sissified. You know what sissified means? They don't have a backbone anymore. And who's there, who's there in speaker's corner? A girl taking on the Muslims. A five foot two inch girl called Hatuntash. It's amazing, isn't it? Because we are so careful. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. 
give our taxes, <laughs> give exemption from our taxes, give us a good job, and we want to have a great life. You know David's brothers, what they said. And what does David say? Is there not a... No, in other words, have you heard those words? The word for cause is dabar in Hebrew, which means, did you listen to those words, that guy speaking? You know what is happening over there? He's defying the name of God. You know, you know what Romans chapter 2 will say? The name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of? Because of you. Because of you. And he can come and say anything to the name of God. He defy, he's defying the name of God. And this un- uncircumcised Philistine is saying that. And what are you worried about? Oh, if you defeat this fellow, he will give us a good job. He will give us a good wife. And he will give us exemption from taxes. Is that a cause? What is your cause? Ezekiel chapter 36. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, what did they do to my name? They profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. You know what they did? When the Israelites went, they asked them to sing the songs of Zion. Hey, when you were in Babylon, please sing the songs of Zion. And they said, we hung our harps. How can we sing the songs of Zion? By the rivers of Babylon. Who sang that song? Bonium. And Israel. They also sang Daddy Cool. Verse 21. But I had concern for my holy name, which you have defiled among the, profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God. What will I do? I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, for but for my holy namesake. So what does David do? David is looking at the name of God being defiled. Who's that? The picture of Christ. And what is the name of God? Anybody knows the name of God? Exodus chapter 34. We know the name of God very well, right? Exodus chapter 34. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. What did he proclaim? The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. No. No full stop. What is that? After that? Comma. What does he say there? By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. You have the truth of God and the mercy of God in the name of God. And what is that name? Jesus. Is there not a cause? What have they done to my name? And what, you know what, what does Jesus do? When he is dying on the cross, what is he doing? He is vindicating the name of God. That is the reason why it says mercy and truth kissed each other. Where? On the cross. Words. Then you have the words of the great man. David, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And what does Saul say? You are not able to go. You see this fellow? Against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth. And he is a man of war. From his youth. You are just a youth, Papa. In other words, you are not an expert. You know, Martin Lord Jones in his, in, his, in his message, The Battle for the Mind, you know what he says? In, this, in our century, in the 20th century, he says, we have become worshippers of the expert. 
know what we do? Because they're able to split atoms and create the nuclear bomb. We think that they're very intelligent. And when they say there is no God, we all say, ha, ah, there is no God. We become people who worship the expert. You should not say anything until you become their expert. And they don't realize that this guy actually is an expert. He's a man of war. From his youth. Now look at, this is what we call as the foolishness of God, right? Saul, and Saul said, go and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor. And in other words, he says, you know what, let me send you to Bible college, please. Okay. And what will they give you in Bible college? They will give you a bunch of nonsense and put on a, uh, put on a helmet and they'll put on a, put on a shield. You should look, listen, listen to some people on the right theology forum. There's a theology forum called the right theology forum. Okay, you know, I, I don't have any problems with people going to Bible college. The problem is this. You know, when you go to Bible college, you have brought all your expertise and with all your expertise, you have put the Holy Spirit out. And with all your expertise, you will argue and say there are no gifts of the Holy Spirit. With all your expertise, you will say, I'm talking about, about men of God like John Piper who say, who say that God does not give dreams and it is not good for Muslims to get converted because of dreams. I mean, this is happening. I am taking names because it is right there on social media and it is it's there on YouTube. And then what, there is one bunch of Muslims who are saying, what is Pastor John Piper saying? We look up to him and why is he saying that there are so many Muslims who are con- getting converted because God visits them in their dreams. And how can you say that dreams are not possible? You have just removed it out. Why? Because of your theology. Because you want to become an, an, an expert. What has, what has expertise done to you? It has literally thrown the Holy Spirit out. It's, it's people like John Piper who are telling this. And I'm wondering what is going on. And this, this bunch of Muslims are from Somalia and they're saying, why is John Piper saying all this? I came to become, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because God visited me in a dream and showed me that I am the Messiah. Had he not visited me in my dream, I would have not been converted. You, if you read Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus, you know what ultimately caused the, the conversion of Nabil, Nabil Quraysh, you know that? It was a dream, you know that? Two dreams and one vision. It was not all the apologetics. And what do you do? You send him to Bible college, you put a helmet of uh, apologetics and what happens? That guy, he becomes this intellectual theologian. He has no touch of God over his life. He has not proven God in his life. He has never overcome sin. And he comes and teaches us what it is to overcome sin because he is an expert from the Bible college. You know what? This is what we call as the worship of the expert. What has Bible college done to you? With all your theology, right theology forum, wrong theology forum, incorrect theology forum, all forums, but no Holy Spirit. Oh, we should teach our students critical thinking. I am not saying that we should not teach all that. You know what Martin Lord Jones says in that, in that same message, uh, in that message, uh, Battle for the Mind, you know what he says? The experts are not accessible to common people. Our God, when he spoke, the who heard gladly, the people, the common people heard him gladly. And they had hope. It was not in the expertise of Jesus Christ. It was a foolishness of the cross that was preached. And what we preach today? Bible college degrees, 
this degree that and you know uh, we don't call, qualify him as an engineer if he doesn't go to engineering college we don't qualify him as a as a a doctor if he doesn't go to medical college how can we qualify him as a pastor if he doesn't go to bible college there are schools of prophets my dear brothers and not one was called not one but there was an elisha who washed the hands of elijah who was called the word of god reached who john in the wilderness not the experts in bible college and the person who called himself an expert in the Bible college, you know what God had to take him? He had to take him to the wilderness for three and a half years and get out all the theology and the intellectualism out. And he, and he says, you know what? You should become a fool for Christ. And then you will be made wise. And what we do? We put a helmet of uh, of theology. We will put a weight of uh, knowledge. And you should, get, you should get good grades. You should become an intellectual thinker. What are you talking about? How many of you can argue people into, Jesus, into the kingdom of God? How many of you were argued into the kingdom of God? None. It was a supernatural work of God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I, when I listen to all this, I get really upset because I was a people, I, I, I sent money to these organizations and bought their material and when I look at this, the, what they're teaching the people and saying, you know what, God doesn't send dreams anymore and Muslims should be discouraged from uh, listening to the, uh, listening to dreams, they should listen to the gospel. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Did you ever reach any Muslim, one Muslim in your life? Do you know what it what it means to reach out to the Muslims? What are you talking about? Experts, my dear brothers. We, and we worship these experts these days. You see, we all, suddenly, you know, we, we, when we say somebody is from one's university, automatically we have some kind of a, oh, maybe that, mean, that means this person is something, some kind of an expert. And suddenly we start giving him, his, giving him our ear. Why should we give him, the, give him our ear? Why should we do that? Why? You know what David says? Please, don't give me all this. I learned the hard way. I like what pastor said, no? Which Bible college you went to? School of hard knocks. Thank you. Hard knocks of life taught you. It is a wilderness. It is fasting. It's praying. Reading the word of God. Studying. Asking for the anointing. See, we don't discredit learning all these. We should. It should be a systematic study. Because Paul himself says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I understand that. There's a place for it. But we do not put trust in that. We put trust in the fire, of, in the power of God. Because you know what? The preaching of the cross is what? Foolishness. And you know what? Saul says, this is foolishness. You are a man who will not be able to fight this. That's what happens to a man who lost the touch of God over his life. The anointing. First Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of cross is what? Foolishness. To those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, what is it? It is the power of God. So what do you want? Bible college or the power of God? People get so upset. It's interesting, no? They'll ask this question. How is it these people know so much Having never learned. You know why? Simply because they have been with Jesus. Simple. That's the reason, boss. Look at what it says. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Who is this? Okay. Where is the wise? Where is the, where is the disputer of this age? You know what the word for dispute is? Debater. And what do we do? Debate. 
Justification by faith alone, let us debate. Arminianism, Calvinism, all isms only. How many people you bring? Oh, we should not uh, preach the gospel like that. We should be very kind to those people. Who said? Jesus confronted people. You did not bring one Muslim into the, into the kingdom and you will have a doctrine as to how to reach to the Muslims. What are we talking about? Where is the wisdom? Where is the, where is the, oh, where is the disputer or the uh, debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And look at what he says in the next verse. For since in the wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. And what did, do, what did he do? It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching. See, this is what it, what is foolishness. The Jews required a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But what do we do? But we, we, we preach what? Christ crucified. Stumbling block to the Jews and to the Greeks what? Foolishness. But to those who are being called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because of foolishness of God. You see, that's exactly what David represents. He represents what we call as the foolishness of God. And this guy, big giant. How can this foolish man, in other words, defeat this giant? The foolishness of God. You know what he says? The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. And the weakness of God? Stronger than man. Super, no? Maybe this is loaded verses. He said, this is foolishness. God says, this is my wisdom. This is, I'm going to use this to destroy. Words. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And what you know what Saul says? You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. For you are a... You know what God tells the youth? Yeah, thank you, Sammy. First Peter chapter 4. Let no one despise you. <laughs> because you are a youth. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit. Spirit means attitude. In faith and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with a laying, laying on of hands. You know why people neglect the gift? They say, what is my gift? It is not useful. You know, these are all experts. How can I use this gift? That's the gift. That God will use. It looks foolish in the eyes of the world. But when you give it to God, you know what it's going to become? It's going to become the the very, the very first gun in the Bible, if you will. David had the first gun. He pulled the trigger. Remember that uh, that, <laughs> that, that if you've seen this movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Last Ark. Hmm? So this guy comes and stands before Indiana. He takes off his sword like this and he says, just starts, starts doing that dance and that, uh, you know, he's showing off his sword, he's showing off his spear and he starts dancing, dancing. Indiana Jones looks at him like that and waves him like that. He takes a gun, <laughs> shoots him, it's gone. <laughs> so that's exactly what, what David is going to do. All the dance he will do. One. Gun, over. He'll come to that. That's foolishness. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves what? Entirely to them. Let your progress be made known to everybody. I see Joe. I see Deepika. I see Sammy. I see Peter. I see Dr. Richard. I see Vijay. It's growing. 
It's growing. It's growing. There's hope. <laughs> There's hope for this church. <laughs> In other words, they're growing. Let the progress be made known. In other words, I should be able to look at Jodi and say, you know what? I like her attitude. I want to learn from her. I want to look at Deepika. I am telling you, you should see the way Deepika cleans up the the kitchen. Boy, speak and span. I look at it and I say, wow, I want to learn from Deepika. Beautiful. You should see the way she cleans up everything. It's neat, speak and span. Everything is in order. Uh, me, PhD from IIIT. Goliath. Hmm. Has to learn from David. Speak and span. Neat, sparkling, clean. And the way she puts the, the what do you say? Uh, the detergent into that thing, no, in the cup, no. The attention to detail. I said, boy, this is good. And not even a single grain of uh, rice is on the in the sink. Everything is gone. When I wash, one grain here, one grain there, one grain here. She washes thorough job. Example. To me. Faith in love. In purity, in, in spirit, I like that. In spirit, what is that? Attitude, attitude. We know what that attitude is. I like the attitude of Sammy, for example. <laughs> Anybody can call him any time of the day, he's there. He's available. He's like truly Sammy, here I am. No? Remember? Samuel, Samuel. Anybody can call, he says, here I am. <laughs> Prophet Sammy. <laughs> After he gets married, he'll have first Samuel and second Samuel, okay? <laughs> And Peter will have first Peter, second Peter, okay. <laughs> Both Sammy and Peter. Okay, see. Learn. Be an example. Don't let anybody despise you. This is what you can be in Christ, in David. This is what the gospel can do to you. You don't get this when you go to Bible college, you'll get a big head and not a burning heart. That's what Warren B. Warren B. said. We don't want big heads, we want burning hearts. Jeremiah chapter 1. Look at it. Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. Continue in them. You see? Be continuous. Be consistent. Constant. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and to those, and those who? Understand? David says, sorry. I know what it takes to beat the enemy. I'll come to that later on. Jeremiah 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And you hear this, Baba, right from the mother's womb? (laughs) No, 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 I don't like this. Then I said, ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak. I'm only a youth. You know what God said? Do not say I'm a youth. It's a command. For you shall go to all to whom I send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak. I'm telling you honestly, I learned so much from young people actually. Who are on fire for God. Really. The zeal, their enthusiasm, they're they're everywhere, every meeting they're there. They're on fire. And if God, God can get you when you're young, catch them young and watch them grow is the principle in the kingdom. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I will be with you to deliver you, says the 
God. So the words are very powerful. Look at what's, what's other, some other words. Look at David's words when Samuel says, Samuel, so Saul says you'll not be able to do it. First Samuel chapter 17. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after the lion and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Look at this testimony, you see. Do we have a personal testimony like that? We don't get this in Bible college. In Bible college, a lot of people run away from Bible college. I know people who ran away from Bible college because they got addicted to pornography in Bible college. Next it says, your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like what? Like that animal, basically. Like one of them. He believes in mathematical induction perfectly. If it is true for lion, if it is true for the bear, it is true for all uncircumcised Philistines too. Seeing his, he has not defiled me, it has got nothing to do with you or me king. It has got the fact that he defied the armies of the who? Of the living God. For you, the God is dead. For me, God is not dead. He's alive. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. So what is the lion? Who does the lion and the bear represent? <clears throat> Sorry. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like them. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 15. As a roaring lion and a raging bear, so is a wicked ruler over his people. So what are the, who's the roaring lion and roaring lion and a bear represent? The wicked ruler. Who's that? Satan himself. And why does he torment his people? Because they don't judge themselves. How do I know this? Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5 verse 13, 18 onwards. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what is good what good, what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. Remember that during the, uh, our prayer service we heard this. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and went into the house. Oh sorry. And, and a bear met him. Or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? You know what, in other words, you know what David is saying? David is saying, you know what Saul, I daily judged myself in accordance with the word of God. I don't fear death anymore. I don't fear death anymore. I judge myself every day. Second Timothy chapter 4. New covenant example. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Oh, no, 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 no. You should not speak like that. Paul said it. Of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words at my first answer. No man stood with me, but all men forsake me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Next, next verse. Look at his testimony. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be known, might, might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. So what is the testimony of David? The Lord delivered me from every evil work. I overcame sin in my personal life. Every giant in my personal life, I judged it. I overcame it. The same God which helped me to overcome every sin is going to help me overcome this Philistine. 
That is his testimony. First Samuel chapter 17. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your what? Head from you. Why the head? Because it is a thought. The first place he strikes him is where? He strikes the bullet into his head. The thoughts. He strikes him there. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. You see, you see this description. You see some cartoons in the, in the, in YouTube. What a sham, what a mockery of this incident. David is afraid. He's, he's, that's how they depict. David is not afraid. He is rushing towards the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, struck the Philistine in the forehead. So the stone sank into his head and he fell on his face on the earth. How? Not like this. Borla, dabban badad. Mokam So what did he do after that? He took his own sword and chopped off his head. This is the principle in the kingdom of God. You know how God beats the enemy? By disarming the enemy. And finishing him with his own sword. He takes that energy and puts it against him. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him. Having forgiven you all your trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. Which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. And what did he do? Having what? Disarmed principalities and powers. And he made a public spectacle of them. And what did he do? He triumphed over them. That's exactly what he did. He totally defeated the enemy by disarming the enemy. That's exactly what Moses also does, right? What does he do? Janus and Jamrans come and put their stick. And so what does Moses do? I know all your power is in the stick. What I'll do? I'll take your stick and go. Without your stick, what can you do? Nothing. Your power is in your stick. My power is not in my stick. It is in my God. Okay. This is the principle in spiritual warfare. <laughs> what is the principle? Disarm your enemy. And how, do you, how does he disarm the enemy? By nailing it to the cross. And you and I, it says in Romans chapter 6, our old man, what happened to the old man? Was crucified on the cross along with him so that we will not serve this body of death. You know what this body of sin and body of death mean? I'll tell you what it means. Those days, in, in those Roman old, old Roman days, you know how they used to punish people? They used to tie the person to a dead body. That's his punishment. They tie the person to the dead body and what, what will happen when you're tying the person to the dead body? That, that, that dead body is rotting. Maggots are eating up the dead body. So the maggots which are eating the dead body will come and start eating you too. You understand? That is a picture that Paul is using. He's saying, my old man is like the dead man. That is a body of sin. And you know what God did? He took that body of sin and he nailed it to the cross. 
He beat that. He just pulverized it and he separated me from that body of death. I no longer have to sin that bo- uh, serve that body of death. I will serve only God. That's exactly what is ha- what, what happens to you in baptism. In baptism, what you do? You are buried and you raise your old man is dead and gone and buried. It was a burial service for your old man. And what you are doing? You are raising up in the newness of life and you are no longer serving the body of sin. With its old passions and lusts. What has happened? You have crucified the passions and lusts upon the cross. You have disarmed them completely. That's exactly what God did on the cross in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He's disarmed the powers of darkness. He disarmed the power of sin so that you and I don't have to serve sin anymore. And we will be over, we will be able to overcome every bear, every lion in secret. Every bear, every lion in secret. The same lion the same God who delivered David from the lion and the bear will also be able to, able to deliver. You know what David says? The ruler of this world has come and he has found nothing in me. Nothing. You know, he knows exactly who myself and who I belong to. That is the wisdom. It disarmed. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of the sage, nor the rulers of the sage, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of God. Message of the cross. Upon the cross. In other words, you do not have to serve sin anymore. It's been done away with. And by faith, every sin, every lust, every anger, every anxious thought, every lustful thought, every sinful thought, you can overcome it because it has been nailed upon the cross and it has been disarmed completely. The body of sin has been done away with upon the cross. And the powers of darkness have been disarmed. You know why? What is the, what is the power for, you know what uh, Satan's food is? Satan's food is what? Is the dust of the earth. And what is the flesh? The dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field. And Lord remembers our frame that he knows that we are what? Dust. Been disarmed completely. Completely disarmed. This is what David and Goliath teach us. You know what David and Goliath teach us? You can overcome any sin in your life, any giant, by the power of God. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 10. One last time. We will stop. Let's see that first second Corinthians chapter. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Three things. First, first, what do we sub- sub- subject ourselves to? It is a foolishness of the cross, right? That means what? Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily. Like yesterday we heard uh, the message, you know, that three dailies. Give us this day our daily bread. Second daily. Pick up, pick up your cross daily. And then third daily, encourage yourself daily. Three dailies. So what do you do? Pick up your cross daily. Hear to the preaching daily. So that, you know what? You will, because the word of God will tell you something. And you, you should listen to him. Like Pastor was saying the other time on, on Sunday, he says, no? You should listen to Spurgeon. You can listen to him. Because very difficult to read Spurgeon for all of us. But easy to, re- to re- listen, right? 
we struggled to reach Spurgeon. My goodness, can you imagine the kind of congregation he had? Who can understand what he's saying? Now we can, somebody can read it and we can listen to it. And last, in fact, like what was pastor was saying on Sunday, that, that one week, entire week, I was just literally feeding on Spurgeon. Samuel came, Samuel came and asked me, he said, Pastor, which book do you recommend? I said, I'm, I'm listening to Spurgeon these days. I'm reading through Spurgeon and also listening to Spurgeon. Spurgeon just listened so many. And one of the messages I listened to him was, war, war, war. You would listen to that message by Spurgeon. Powerful. War, war, war. Now, of course, this message was inspired by one of his again sermons called David's First Battle. Very powerful, of course. Like, I, I also milk from many cows, but I have my own butter, okay? So, <laughs> casting down imaginations and every high thing, you see? It is a cross, denying yourself every day. Simple, simple. What is that? Pick up your cross daily. How do you do that? Get up in the morning. And what does a, what does a, what does your body say? I will turn. He said, no, I'll not turn. <laughs> Let me get up. <laughs> okay. Get up, the, get up in the morning. First thought, open the book and not Facebook. Not even WhatsApp. Because what do we do? First person we, 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 we catch after we get up is what? Your mobile phone, isn't it? So do one thing, no? Put your mobile phone and charge in the front room. Where? In the front room. So that you will, it will not be easily accessible to you. I have the old alarm clock. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Peter. This is, I'm, trying, I'm giving you practical advice. Okay. If there is no alarm inside, if there's no alarm, there's an, so for, for many of us, there's an inbuilt alarm. Because some, for me, at least there's an inbuilt alarm. Okay. I know exactly sometimes when, when to wake up. Suddenly, I just wake up. I know it. Sammy, for him, um, even the cops also can't wake him up. That's a different thing. <laughs> he sleeps. He sleeps. That's it. Okay. Okay. Wake up. Don't open your mobile phone. Open this. Open this. Or maybe listen to a message. If you're not able to open because sometimes it's not very easy to concentrate. No? Listen to some teaching fired up. Not some... <laughs> just listen to some fired up teaching. And then you get really get pumped up. And then maybe do your devotion. Okay. That is the first thing. Daily. Simple things. You know what? These are all soft, smooth stones. This foolishness. What will this do? It will defeat the enemy. Read the word. You, you keep on reading the word. You will sin less and less and less. You know that? You know, very simple exercise. Practical lesson. Look, look at internet less and read the Bible more. By the, by the next week, if you do not become holy, I will cut my right ear. I will give you the knife. Chevy Koskunda. Okay. It's true. Read the Bible more. You know, don't read many other books more. Read the Bible more. Because there is only one inspired book. Which is that? Not Tozer. Even though Tozer is good. See, daily. Pick up, preach, pick up your cross daily. Listen to daily. And exhort your, yourselves daily. Have fellowship daily. With your brothers. Who can encourage you. Speak out Christ. It says, no, those who feared God, what did they do? They didn't, they didn't say, how do you make dosa? No. They didn't ask for recipe. Yeah, all those, those are very good. No, I like it. 
what is your favorite dosa for sure no any time n times at n times in a week i can eat it my my wife gets frustrated with it because she's like oh today dosa again oh lord please have mercy that's what she says because i force dosa also in my family no i'm not saying that <laughs> you should not eat dosa you know, encourage those of you are the lord they call themselves and you know what it says god says a book of remembrance was given three things my dear brothers daily simple smooth stones how many hours we speak no you know this recipe if you put like this like this like this like this it will come like this and that is what girls speak and what do men speak something totally different you know this gadget this 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 gadget that gadget they will speak they have their own recipes they have their recipe we have a recipe encourage one another daily daily these are smooth simple stones in life and the problem is we make it complicated and we say we should have the armor and we should have the uh, so the helmet and this and we says helmet of salvation how do we get the helmet of salvation we should go to bible no 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 none of us went to bible college at least in our church and i don't i'm not saying we should not go i'm not saying that problem is that we start depending upon that and we become experts and i'm seeing all people who have become experts where they are going Third, so when we exhort one another daily, how do we exhort? You know what exhortation means? It's correcting one another in the fear of the Lord, submitting to one another. We don't want therapy. What do we need? Confrontation. We don't need pacifying. <laughs> we need confronting. And you know what will happen? You'll have the anointing, and you will say the same anointing which may have to be defeat this this lion and the bear will be able to defeat any other giant. And there will be what? Food for me. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we pray, Father, for all of us. We may be fighting our own battles in different areas. And if we are honest with ourselves, oh Lord, many of us are fighting losing battles. But your word promises that we are more than conquerors, not in and of ourselves. In Christ. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. David was a foolishness of God. Cross is a foolishness to this world. But you said, O Lord, when we pick up a cross and deny ourselves daily and listen to your word, we will overcome sin will overcome every lustful thought. Every giant will be able to overcome. We don't want to be pacified a lot. Because we are not Father, tourists a lot. We are soldiers. We're soldiers a lot. You told Timothy, and your hardship as discipline. And don't get entangled in civilian affairs. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would find in our church people who will not allow themselves to be pacified. They will say, discipline me. Teach me your ways. Show me where I'm going wrong. Because you love me. You said a lot, Father, in your word, and through James, you said a lot. A brother 
who turns another brother from the error of his way, saves his soul, and by love will cover a multitude of sins. We know we need those brothers, O oh Lord, who will turn us from the error of our ways, who will love us and who will cover our sins, not by pacifying us in our sins, but confronting us in our sin, O oh Lord. By confronting us in our compromise. By confronting us in our laziness. By confronting us in our sloppiness. And showing us this is where it will take you if you go along this path. But if you, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony, if you are able to overcome, this is where it will lead you. You want all your children to become overcomers. For it is the overcomers who will inherit. And it is the power of the gospel, not only to, 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 to uh, Father, forgive us from the penalty of our sin, but to give us the power of the Holy Spirit, so that, Lord, we can disarm the powers of the flesh, and we, will reb- and we will be able to withstand the powers of the evil one, because we will not give enemy any foothold in our flesh, because we would have crucified the flesh by submitting ourselves to you, O Lord, and resisting the devil. Father, impart your discipline in your church. Lord, we want to say with that songwriter, Lord, we need your discipline. Light the fire in us again. Don't let our love grow cold. Fan us back to flames. Enable us not to neglect the gift that is inside of us. From the youngest to the oldest, Fire us up so that, Lord, in our heavenly David, we can be all that you want us to be. Because you said, in Christ Jesus, you lead us always in triumph. Lord, enable us to believe that. Enable me to believe that. Enable me, enable me to be a person who will never be afraid of criticism or correction. So that I can enjoy the anointing of God in my life. I need the anointing, O oh Lord. It is the anointing which will be able to overcome, which, which will empower me to overcome sin. It is the anointing which will empower me to do the work of God. It is without you we can do nothing, O oh Lord. And Lord, let us never despise the anointing. The righteous strikers. It will be kindness. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name,